Hi, we are the Riverside Chapter of the Messengers of Recovery, a clean and sober MC with chapters in Southern California and Arizona. We are a bunch of guys who either rode with the devil or chased him. We're the kind of people that gets pointed at in a crowd and people think, if he can get clean, then I can. We decided to throw our chip in the hat and talk about our recovery, how we did it with the hope that someone will realize that they don't have to drink or use even if they want to. We are not AA, NA, CA, or SA, and I promise you nobody is with the DA. Once a week, we will have speakers, panels, and sometimes just a meeting for you to listen to. February 12th, 2021, Salvation Army panel. The first speaker will be Lee. Hey, guys. My name is Lee, and I'm an alcoholic and an addict. Um, my sobriety date is November 14th of 2014. Um, I have a home meeting, I have a sponsor, and my sponsor has a sponsor, and that's my uh, foundation for recovery. Um, I started drinking uh, pretty early, 13 pot, stuff like that, and uh, my parents had a, a bar down in the den, and, and uh, it was pretty well stocked up, so my sister and I used to get into it, and I learned that uh, I could uh, replace the vodka bottle with water, so the parents couldn't uh, wouldn't know that it uh, was getting depleted. Um, so yeah, you know, smoking weed, drinking, and uh, eventually over the year, after a few years, that. Uh, into high school, I, I uh, got introduced to speed, and uh, I remember the first time I ever did it, I was instantly hooked. So speed and alcohol was my thing. And uh, went through all my teenage years and uh, into my 20s, and I had a short stint in the service, and I ended up getting kicked out of that because I, I couldn't stop drinking. and, and uh, when I got out, I was back on the speed and then and, and, uh, just ran with that all through my 20s. Uh, I think I was 21. I got my first DUI, and that's the first time I was introduced to the rooms of AA or NA. And uh, I learned pretty quick that you could uh, sign your own cards and, and I wouldn't have to keep going to the meetings because I didn't want to be there. Uh, you guys were fucking nuts, and I didn't want no part. I didn't want no part of it. So uh, I don't know. I think I finished my my DUI program, my first offenders program, and two days later I picked up my second DUI. But I still didn't have a problem. You know, it was just uh, it was just bad luck. Um, All through my 20s, it was uh, in and out of jail and, and, and rehabs, and uh, I think I, I had five or six rehabs trying to get this thing called recovery, but I was never into it because I wasn't doing it for me. I was doing it to please courts or POs or family members, but it was never for me. And uh, 
I'm kind of trying to speed this along so I don't take an, an hour. Take your time, bro. Okay, okay. Um, I think I was 30 when I, when I went to the last rehab and uh, decided that I was going to go in for myself. And um, I did that get a sponsor thing and tried to work a serious program, although I never did any steps, but I, I managed to uh, put together like a year and a half of, of clean time. And uh, it was all good, you know, it was, life was getting better, but uh, at some point I decided that as long as I stay away from the drugs, I'll be okay, and, and I, I wanted a beer. I wanted to drink again, so I, I started drinking again just before I got 18 months clean and sober. And uh, it was shortly after I started drinking again that I got my third DUI. And, uh, but I, you know, I still didn't have a serious problem. That, that was just another case of bad luck. So that went on for another probably 15 years. I stayed away from the dope, but I drank like a fish. And uh, I figured as long as I didn't pick up dope, I was okay. And uh, eventually I did pick the dope back up. And in those 15 years, I managed to, you know, get a decent job. I got married, um, got the cars and the toys and stuff, and, and uh, was doing okay, but I wasn't happy. I was still a miserable bastard, you know. But when I picked up the dope, it took less than two years before everything that I worked for, I mean, everything I worked for went pretty quick, but in two years, I had, I had fucked everything up uh the relationship with my kid the relationship with my wife uh work um and eventually it went so far downhill that i was basically homeless again and uh my wife had had enough she was using with me but i guess i was so bad that she couldn't handle me anymore either and and uh, we separated and that was pretty devastating to me and then having to admit to my, uh, my then 24-year-old son that I was back on dope was a tough one, too. <clears throat> my son looks up to me a great deal, and uh, that was just pretty devastating. So I found myself living in a motel alone, uh, just barely scraping by to get dope and, and pay for the room, you know, and, and uh, just just broken. I was miserable. I was just, I couldn't believe I let myself get back down to this, this point in my life. Uh, I had a good friend that uh, I used to drink a lot with and I wanted, uh, I wanted him to go to the bar with me and, and uh, he at the time was going to meetings and, and he didn't want to go that night. And he, uh, he said, why don't you come with me to an AA meeting? And I did. And that was, uh, that was November 14th of 2014. That was the, the first day back into this program. And uh, that was a little over six years ago. So in these last six years, I've managed to put together a pretty strong program. I, uh, I got a real good sponsor that, that I love to death, you know, and, and uh, I worked the steps. Um, I'm currently working on them again. 
Um, back up a little bit. When I was growing up, we never had any kind of God. There was no mention of God in the house that I grew up in. Neither one of my parents were religious at the time, and it was just never uh, a subject. So I didn't know who God was pretty much all my whole life. But it was in these rooms that I was able to find a higher power and understand what God means and, and how he works in my life. You see, all those times that I was narrowly escaped death or I should have been fucked up here and, and something got me out of it or it seemed like a coincidence that this should have happened but it didn't, I can look back today and see that it was a God working in my life and not coincidence. And today that is my strongest point in recovery is the fact that I have a God in my life today. And I'm very proud of that. Um, I'm no Bible thumper, I'm not church goer, but I have a strong relationship with my higher power. And uh, if you want what I have, you need that too. Along with program and a sponsor and these, these meetings and recovery. It's, uh, it's the best change that I ever made for myself. Earlier, earlier this year, I, I hooked up with these fellas and, and, and these guys have taken my recovery to a whole new level and uh, I'm very proud to be a part of this organization as well. So, Again, my name is Lee and I'm an addict. Thank you. All right, the next speaker will be Gotta Go. Gotta go. Gotta um, go. <laughs> I mean, uh, I am an alcoholic, and uh, uh, I think I always been, and probably always will be. Hopefully, just a sober alcoholic. I got introduced to moonshine when I was just a little boy. I took uh, immediately liking to it, and uh, it uh, made it made it part of my life. Uh, as I grew up. Booze was always around me, and it seemed like whatever I did, I had to have some booze around. And, but I drank to get drunk. I thought everyone did. Um, that was probably not true, but I passed out probably before I knew anything else. Um, I drank to pass out, basically. I could not have one or two drinks. A couple of beers didn't exist. I'd rather not drink at all. And uh, so, it was just my MO in, in when I grew up. Whatever I did, I got a DUI when I was 17, crashed my motorcycle, almost died. It took a long recovery from that, but it didn't stop me from drinking. I was literally out of the hospital, then start drinking again. And um, went to the service, same thing. No, nothing that I did really changed my need for alcohol. And it didn't matter what environment I was put into or what happened, what shit I caused and what hurt I did and all that. I, I had a mechanism to, to talk myself out of it some if, in my own mind. And uh, I could justify it and just continue. Um, when I got met my now wife and, uh, in a bar in Bernard Park, drunk, and a year later, I married her, drunk, in Vegas. And uh, we got two boys. 
none of that changed my my ammo. I got a good job, and uh, I was just pushing through life like that. And everyone knew that I was an alcoholic, but I refused to accept it. For a while there, I I worked in Cyprus for the same company I worked with many years, and I I realized that I had to do something because I started getting really ill. I, I didn't feel good. So I thought something inside of me started falling apart. So I went to to the counselor at, at work and, and she sent me to another counselor, a drug counselor. So I went there and uh, this guy turned out to be chain-smoking dick. I <laughs> couldn't stand I. I don't think I even sat through the whole session. I left, and that was a good reason to drink again, so I went back home and drank. And so whatever was presented to me, I managed to find a reason I was no good. And uh, I didn't try AA um, back then. I thought I could white-knuckle it through and, and handle it myself. I couldn't. So... I got a job traveling a lot, and that was perfect because now my wife and family couldn't see how drunk I really got. I lied. So I was around traveling, drinking, and for years. It worked well for me, I thought. Um, but then I got really sick, more sick. I, I got rashes all over me. As soon as I drank, I got, I got lucky. I got really hot. and. And rashes. I went to the doctor, and I was in Huntington Beach, and he he checked me up and he said I'm all right, but uh, I need to quit drinking. And uh, it's like it that wasn't the answer I needed to hear. Don't you have a pill or something? Uh, but I I switched from vodka to something else because it tended to be vodka that caused all those rashes. I thought. So I pushed through it, and coming up to 2015 now, um, I, I continued to drink, and I was out on a job, got another DUI to come home. This was December 23, 2015, and I felt like this is, I felt like I reached the bottom. I. I felt like that many times, but something was different this time. So on Christmas Eve, first day sober for a long time, I drove down to the Corona Club, AA Club. I knew where it was because I used to take my son there when he got his underage DUI. And uh, so I went there, and I can't even remember how I got there. I was just so focused. I had to go there. There was nothing that would have stopped me. The building being on fire, I would just walk in. And uh, I think it showed because a lot of people came up to me and trying to help me and did help me, talk to me. And that made the, the whole difference. That moment, that day that that happened was the turning point in my life. I. I, I got taken care of. I would not have done it myself if, if no one had come up to me 
at that first meeting, I saw how miserable I looked like and, and talked to me and hugged me and gave me my numbers and several of the guys did. I wouldn't have made it. There's no way. And uh, so I got the sponsor right away. And you know the story, you gotta do the work, right? Do the program. So I worked the steps and I, I was so dedicated to it, I still am. And the first year was just, I was totally indulged in AA. I needed to learn everything. I went to a ton of meetings and it, it sort of set my head straight. And now I need to keep it straight because I do know if I quit doing what I'm doing, uh, I too is gonna be one of those that goes out again. I just have to keep at it. So thank you for letting me share. The next speaker is Pinky. My name is Jeff and I'm a alcoholic. I'm sorry. <coughs> Took a while for a minute. Huh? Took a minute. I'm yeah, a, I a, whatever I am. Yeah, I'm a lot of fucking things. Well, we know that. Uh, let's see, tonight, well, first of all, um, it's Friday days, February 1st, 2014. I just took seven years. And it, I guess I'll give you a, a brief one. The reason I have a seat at this table is I started drinking at 10 years old, using at 10 years old. Um, I did that for 35 years. Uh, I've been locked up. I've been in the Army. I've served multiple tours in combat. The last 25 years I've been on the railroad, whereas I'm retired now. Uh, I'm actually medically retired. I'm a court of the DOD and Department of the Army. I am 100% total and permanently mentally disabled. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, took the Army to tell you. So I've been around, I've seen a lot of shit, and I've done a lot of things, and that, that earns my seat at this table, as well as being sober for seven years. Um, what I want to talk about is, is a brother and a friend of mine I talked to a couple days ago, and he lost a family member to addiction, um, overdosed. As we all know, it's not that fucking uncommon. Um, but his situation was he, he had to go, you know, as we do when his family is go do the cleanup portion, which, you know, not everybody has to do or gets that wonderful opportunity but you know in his case you know he had to go clean up the uh, body sat in a couch for three days so it kind of melted in there and you know the smells of the vomit and all that sort of stuff he had to clean all that up take everything to the dump and I talked to him and and uh you know he vented to me his anger and frustration and you know all that sort of stuff and I wasn't surprised, but, uh, you know, I learned in this program when somebody needs to talk, then uh, I took the cotton out of my ears, shoved it in my mouth, and I let him vent and, and, and do his thing. And my response to him when he was all done was the same thing I give all my brothers is anything, anytime, anywhere, call if you need anything, you know. Um, and I also told him, call your sponsor and get that shit off, off your chest because in this 
In this world of addiction, it's those things that keep us actively addicted is those deep, dark, troubling, and, and it may not seem that big of a deal, but it really is, and it, it, it's what, those are the things that come up and keep that addiction active in not allowing you to seek recovery, and, and it keeps you up at night, and it's the reasons for me why I use and drink or did. Um, And in talking with him, uh, you know, I have an experience similar to it, and I work through it um, several different ways, but things like that don't go away. You, you learn how to live with them, but the images and the memories and, and the things of, of that, I mean, they just don't go away. You learn how to live with them and, and deal with them and, and live, in my case, clean and sober. Put my head in a pillow at night and sleep. Um, But talking to him, it drug up my own, my own memories, and and uh, so tonight is my night to to get my get it off my chest, so it doesn't bother me. Um, Nineteen ninety, I was home on leave after doing some hardcore hula army training bullshit, and. Um, I was with my little brother. We were partying, doing our thing, as usual. Um, three days before I was supposed to head back, I was going to be heading overseas. I, I uh, you know, I was, I was winding down, taking a little break, relaxing, visiting with my mom and, and that sort of stuff. And I hadn't heard from him. The day before I was supposed to leave, I went to his house, his apartment. <clears throat> he didn't answer the door, and he wasn't answering the phone. And... Uh, I uh, was able to peer in through a window and saw something that was out of the ordinary. So I kicked the door in, and uh, what I found stuck with me for the rest of my life, which was my brother sitting on uh, in a chair in the kitchen with a 12-gauge shotgun in his mouth, the back of his head up against the wall, and his toe in a trigger. And... Uh, me and my little brother were extremely close, you know, best friends growing up. You know, we ran a fucking muck everywhere we went. <clears throat> and uh, it, it stuck with me forever. On top of all that, um, because it is family and the way I was raised, I was forced, I guess, or I obliged, but to do the cleanup, so, you know, brains and skulls and of picking all that shit up, drinking whatever beer was left in the refrigerator that he had, and, you know, it wasn't a pleasant experience. Anyways, it stuck with me for many years. It's, it's one of those experiences you never forget, and on top of all that, I couldn't get any extra time off because I was being deployed to Iraq, and I had to leave. I made. They gave me two days to make the funeral, and uh, I had to fly into Germany and uh, jump on another plane and fly into uh, Saudi Arabia. So I left that situation, went right into a combat situation, when didn't with those uh, images in my head. So it was a 
it was a long fucked up 13 months for me over overseas on that tour and it's one of the big things that stay with me my entire life and like I said the, the, the things don't go away you know you learn to live with them you learn to deal with them and, and I've dealt with all that but they don't go away so these are my opportunities to get it off my chest so that it doesn't bother me tonight when I put my head in the pillow and it doesn't keep me up at night and it doesn't I don't have to drink over it. I don't have to use over it. I don't have to do any of that shit over it. Talk to my sponsor about it. Get it off my chest. I come here, talk to you guys. Get it off my chest. Um, and, and, you know, and that's what we do. Um, this panel is as much for me as it is for you. I hope to God you get something out of this and it changes your life and all that other, you know, fucking shit they say. And, but the reality of it is I'm here doing this panel. Um, because it gives me one more day of sobriety, and, that, and that's all you get in this program is one day. I'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, but if I can finish the day with my head in the pillow, sober, then today I worked a perfect program, and that's that's all I can do. So, um, moral of the story is, you know, that's this is how the program works. Um, I'm well versed in it. I have a excellent foundation in the program you know I went to rehab with the 30-day thing and I went to sober living for 17 months I did three meetings a day on top of all the stuff sober living had me do <clears throat> in between those meetings different uh, types of work and stuff to you know become a civilized fucking human being and not an animal you know learn how to be a friend learn how to love learn how to be loved learn how to be a son and a brother and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, it, you know, it, that's what the program is. You know, you get a sponsor, you work the steps. And if you do those steps, you know, willingly, courageously, um, and you get it all up, you know, from the deep dark to the top of the table, it's an experience that, You'll never forget if you haven't done it, sitting across the table from another man or a woman, whatever your deal is, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, saying things to them that, you know, my own mother doesn't even know, so uh, then she'll never know. But, you know, saying things to them and clearing your, your mind and your body and freeing yourself of all that sort of deep, dark, you know, the dark shit. Not that you fucked your buddy over on some shit. You know, I'm talking about shit like that or, you know, the horrible shit you did throughout your life. You get that stuff up and out. It's one step closer to keeping you sober. And it's it's what worked for me. And it doesn't stop there. It's continuation. You know, uh, I've been riding with the club for, I don't know, three years or something. And it's taken my, you know, like it's already been said, it's taken my recovery to a whole new level in the fact that I have more of an outreach now, which is, like I said, I'm fully retired now. So my life is about my family and about my club and the program and, and getting it out to as many fucking people as I can. I can't save your life, but I can introduce you to the program that'll help you save your life. You gotta save your own life and do your own thing to get to get where you're going. It's, it's up to you. That's the basis of the program, man. Get a sponsor, work the steps. Get your secrets out. Don't keep secrets.
talk about shit. Life doesn't stop. Fucking car payment and mortgage are due the day after you get sober. None of that stops. The only thing that changes in this whole thing is you, so. I can tell you this, it's been a great experience for me. It's been one of the best things. It's been the best thing I've ever done in my life because everything from that point to this point now is a direct result of that and all the things in my life in the last seven years have been the best things in my life. And I'm, you know, I'm 51 years old, so been a lot of shit and there's been a lot of good now. So it's all direct from this program and and uh, you know, doing what's asked of me, doing what's expected of me, and and uh, you know, I love it. This program saved my life. You know, the people I ride with saved my life. I can count on these guys for anything, and they know they can do the same thing for me. So, you know, it's one of my morals in this program is find your people, whatever it is you like to do, motorcycles, I don't know, fucking puzzles, I don't care badminton it doesn't fucking matter there are other people in this program that love to do whatever it is you like to do they're in this program all you need to do is search them out and get with them and it it just makes everything go it puts your fun in sobriety and in your life for me it's the club i was able to take my love of motorcycles my love of this program and my longing from leaving the military and you know, spending most of my life looking for a brotherhood. And this allows me to put all my loves together into one basket, coupled with my family, who support me 100%. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm living the perfect life in my eyes. So, like I said, hope you get something from this shit. If not, uh, thanks for letting me be sober, and uh, I'm done. The next speaker is Chad. I'm Chad. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Chad. Hey, Chad. Thanks, you guys, for being here. Um, my sobriety date is January 1st, 2010. Uh, no, I didn't get sober on New Year's Day because I thought it was a good idea. Uh, I just got, I just ran out of dope in county jail. Uh, one more time. There's just no more. And, uh, you know, I got out a few days later, and I've been sober ever since. Um, I have a sponsor, and as Lee said, I, he has a sponsor, and so on and so forth. Um, I have a home group, and uh, you know, I do Alcoholics Anonymous on a regular basis, and I don't do it perfectly. I haven't had to do it perfectly this whole time. Um, I grew up in the system. Um, when I was seven, I was taken out of my home, and I was put into, into boys' homes and, and group homes, and uh, I learned real quick that... Uh, that if you mess with me, I can hit you and you'll leave me alone. And if you if you don't leave me alone, I'll pick something up and I'll hit you with that. And then you know, I'll, either you'll learn or the, I'll be taken out of the situation anyways. Um, at 13, I graduated from uh, DCFS to juvenile delinquent, which means I started getting caught doing crimes at 13. I should have learned at a young age. I wasn't really good at it, but I didn't. I'm a slow learner, hard-headed. Um, and most, almost all the time, everything that I ever got busted for, I was either I, I was always intoxicated, right? I never had a DUI. I used to always fool myself. I was that guy that was like, well, I, you know, I, I've never been caught for dope. I never got a DUI, but no, it never mattered anyways because I always had other cases coming up against me, you know, guns, um, burglaries, uh, stuff like that. Um, you know, and, and 
I did what we do. You know, we, we drink, we use, you know, we think it's, we're not hurting anybody else. You know, uh, come to find out you start, you know, you learn some more stuff down the line. Um, turned 18, supposed to go to the military and, uh, I got out of camp and I took the, I had taken the ASVAB while I was incarcerated in camp and they told me, go, come on, we want you to do anything you want to do. You scored high enough on the ASVAB, you can come in, you can do whatever you want. And all I had to do was uh, discharge my juvenile probation. I did that and I walked out of the courthouse and instead of making a left, I made a right. And I went to my homeboy's house and I got loaded. And I couldn't stop getting loaded long enough to walk into a recruiter's office, sign my papers, and give a clean piss test. Six months later, I'm in county jail. Six months after that, I'm on my way to prison for my first term. Um, you know, I, I did two terms. And um, I remember I remember my first term, I was sitting in there. There's this old guy. He had like an F number or some shit. And he's like, uh, I'm talking to him about what I'm going to do. And he goes, you'll be back. And I was like, no, I got plans. He says, you'll be back. Five weeks later, I was back. I paroled at 205 that time. I came back at 160 pounds five weeks later. And, uh, you know, I, I ran through all that, and, and I got out that time, and I had nowhere to go. You know, I didn't really have, you know, there was my family that I kept in slight contact with, but um, there was a lot of resentment there. And I went up to a sober living up in Azusa, and I went to Alcoholics Anonymous, and I sat in a meeting one morning, and there was a women's recovery home there. And I was looking at this blonde the whole meeting. And at the end of the meeting, she comes up to me and she goes, hi, I'm such and such. Will you be here tomorrow? And I said, absolutely. I will be here tomorrow. And, you know, that time I, I stuck around Alcoholics Anonymous for all the wrong reasons. Because I looked around and I saw pretty girls. And I saw guys that, guys that had cars. And I saw guys that had jobs. And they had families. And that was all the stuff that I used to sit in my prison cell and think about and want. And I could never figure out how to get and I stuck around for the wrong reasons. I didn't do any steps. I didn't get it. You know, I had a, a figurehead sponsor. I didn't do anything the way I was supposed to do it. And when that girlfriend decided that, you know, hey, um, I'm going to drink. Well, alcohol is not my problem. It's the meth. You know, if I don't start, if I don't shoot meth, I'll be okay. So she drank. I drank. A month later, I'm in a trailer park in Pomona slamming dope. That's what I do. By the grace of God, I am. Um, you know, I didn't pick up a third strike. I'm a two-striker. Um, you know, I did a couple violations, and I got out one more time. And I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I started to stick around again for all the wrong reasons. I was getting the girlfriend. And I started working for a guy. And um, at three months sober, I totaled his truck and two other cars on the 210 freeway, Stone Cold Sober. And I remember standing on the side of the freeway and I was looking at, you know, some people that had gotten hurt. Nobody was seriously hurt. It was just some slight injuries. And it was an accident. It was raining. You know, the, the truck lot, you know, went out of control. But the feelings that I had right there are the feelings that I got loaded over. And I thought to myself, if I don't start to live differently, if I don't start to learn how to live differently, I'm going to get loaded again. And um, I called up that sponsor and I started to get to work. And I started to do, you know, I started to get into the steps. And for me, step one was one of the biggest and most important steps. Because for me, if I, if you buy into step one, as soon as you buy into step one, that means you only have one other course of action, the rest of the steps, right? Once I admit to myself, not to the judge, not to my mom, not to anybody else that I have a problem, there's only one other course of action. And that's to do the rest of the steps because that's the solution, right? And I went through the steps, and I wasn't perfect. I, you know, that kid that had all those things happen to him, I had a big issue with God. And I had to sit 
I had to sit for a while and do a lot of work, not just writing, but conversations and thought. And I, I had to do it, you know, and, and, and just moving on the fourth step for me, I, I don't know about any of you, the fourth step's easy. I mean, you act like you don't go down, lay down in your room and think about this stuff every night anyways. Like you don't spin over it in your head. Just put it on paper. Step five was the one that was hard. Step five is the one when it, when it gets real because you're starting to put some action into it. You're sitting down and you're telling another human being exactly who you are. And then that person can t- turn around and tell you, hey, the way you see it is not correct. Right? And I saw things very twisted and skewed. Six and seven, I moved on, and, and six and seven for me are, are harder today than they are when I first did them. Six and seven get, get a lot of, uh, they get blown over a lot because there's not a lot of it in the big book, and when you go into the 12 and 12, you learn more about it, you know? And as I move forward in sobriety, six and seven are hard. I don't want to admit that I'm wrong. I don't have any character defects. It's your fault. You shouldn't be such an asshole, you know? But most of the time, it's me that I'm an asshole, you know? Eight. Nine, you know, I, I've done those amends. You know, I have one last financial amends because I can't find the guy, you know. And 10, 11, and 12, you know, you, you continue to, to, to apply this program into your life. And it just wasn't about doing those steps. I've gone through the steps three times. I should probably do them again soon. But it's the principles behind those steps. Because we learned a lot of principles running out in the streets, prison yards, wherever we go. You know, I learned not to... Uh, you know, you don't mess with your homeboys, old ladies. You don't tell on people. You don't take pussy. You don't mess with little kids. Those are all the principles that I learned when I was running the streets. What about when I come into the rooms of AA? What about to be a decent human being? How do I be a brother? How do I be a son? How do I be a, a good employee or employer as I am now? How do I do those things? You know, how do I be a good husband? Because I came into Alcoholics Anonymous and I didn't know how to do that. And I ruined a marriage in sobriety. And I can tell you this much, the amends that I've had to make for stuff that I've done sober are 10 times harder than the stuff that I had for stuff that I did when I was loaded. Because I have no excuse. That's just Chad. I have no excuse for that. You know? And guess what? You know, I, I, I do some steps. I learn how to apply some principles into my life. And those things that I used to see those guys have, I get to do now. You know? I'm a business owner, and, and, and I employ people, and, and, and people trust me to get stuff done, you know? I just got engaged again in December to a very beautiful woman, you know, the, the, the stepdaughter who, who is, has been angry with me for, for about two years now is finally starting to talk to me again, and I'm going to get to take her out for her birthday next week, you know? These are the promises that I get that they talk about in 11, not the bike, not the bikes, you know, not the, the, the property and the prestige and, the, and the, the stuff that I get. Forget the stuff. What if all the stuff goes away? Right? You know, I, I was adopted at birth. When I was nine months sober, I got to meet my biological mother. I have a wonderful relationship with that woman. Right? My brother, who uh, it's, it's what Lee was talking about with luck earlier, just got his second DUI last weekend. And he still thinks he's having bad luck. <laughs> Well, and I'm just laughing at him like, all right, dude, you know, you do what you want. He says, I'm just going to drink at home. Like, all right, good luck. You know, now I get to put him to work. And when I was loaded, I was stealing quarters out of his change drawers just so I could go get loaded. You know, Alcoholics Anonymous is the best thing that you can do. Or Narcotics Anonymous, whatever anonymous program that you want to get into, 
is the absolute best thing that you can do for your life. But you have to do it. It's not about sitting in meetings and talking about we did this and we did that. It's about applying it into your life. And it starts with the steps. And then you go out and, you, you know, you carry the message to other people. You know, I, had the, I, I got the opportunity to pick up a guy the, last week and pick him up and take him to a sober living. And he decided that he didn't want to stay. And I got a message this morning that he's busted. You know, you know, Pinky right here was talking about people dying. I can't count the amount of people that I have, I've, I've funerals that I've went to since I've been sober. They told me when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous to buy a suit because you're going to go to weddings and funerals. And it's just what it is. And I bought a few suits. I love the life that Alcoholics Anonymous has given me. But I can't forget that at any point in time, if I stop doing the things that have gotten me here, I can give it all back. All back. It won't get taken. I will give it all back. And I'll find myself one more time in a prison cell. I don't, I don't know about where any of you go, but all of a sudden I pop up with bracelets on my hands every time I get loaded. It just takes a little bit. So, um, you know, I, I suggest that, you know, you guys take some suggestion here. We're not, we're not really good at it. Um, I'm not really good at it. But, um, you know, and, and maybe open your ears a little bit and, and learn how to live a different life and get out of here. And if, uh, if you guys want to find us, we're over at 6820 Airport Drive. And if you show up there on Saturday nights, we'll be there. We'll have coffee. And there's people that will put their hands out and welcome you. Cake. Thanks for letting cake. me share. And cake. The next speaker is going to be Ray. Ray Ray. Little Ray. My name is Ray. I'm an alcoholic addict. Hey, Ray. You know, I was just recounting my life story uh, to my coworker yesterday. And I told him all the good stuff that came with drinking and drugs and all the strip clubs, all the good times we had. But I didn't get to the bad stuff, you know. I think I kind of saved it for today. <laughs> but um, my whole childhood was military-based, man. Like, I wanted to be military so bad. As soon as I saw that movie Pearl Harbor, I knew I wanted to be a pilot. And I, I really did. And, you know, we would fucking get... BB guns and start shooting each other and not those one pump chump ones, but the pump them 20 times and pop them, you know? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. And until one day I shot my, my neighbor right in the middle of the forehead and his mom came and tore us a new one, man. And after that, we never shot each other again because we almost blinded that kid. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I wanted to be in the military and then I was in ROTC in high school, you know, I was doing all the right steps. And then fucking drugs came in. And um, drugs were in my life, I didn't even know it. You know, my my dad moved out into the garage, you know, like Mexicans. They, they split up, but they stay in the house kind of thing. But um, I didn't know it, you know, until my sister came in one day and she's like, dad's on drugs, dad's on drugs fucking yelling at me she's drunk too and um i didn't believe her i was young i was probably six something like that and um i grew up next to uh some gang members and then on the other side some skaters and me i i decided to stay with the skaters my sister went with the gangsters and um a couple months later they come running outside and saying that your sister my, my sister's having a seizure 
from fucking smoking meth. So I go in there, I hold her fucking mouth, mouth shut so she don't bite her tongue. And it happened a few times after that, but that's when I told myself I would never do meth, you know. I'll smoke weed, I'll drink beer. And I didn't do coke at the time yet, but, you know, started graduating from weed and uh, E&J, Brandy, the $7 bottle, big-ass bottle, sharing around the whole skater club. It was fun, man. You know, I had a great time until fucking it wasn't fun anymore, you know. High school came in. I was in ROTC the freshman year. Uh, sophomore year, I was selling pills and got kicked out doing coke and drinking at school and all the little hood rats on the hood and it was fun man and then got kicked out went to a continuation school for the rest of the year then I moved to Altaloma with all the rich white guys and I'm like this is my place right here man you know blonde girls fucking my type of <laughs> my type of environment you know and it kept going I still drank I still did drugs and I'd stop selling it because I should have probably sold more there because they were all rich <laughs> but um, yeah I, I ended up graduating on time thank God I've never seen the inside of a prison cell except one day in freshman year just a holding tank because I wrote my name on some wall like this at the mall and the, the cop was like a tomboy and I gave her attitude so she just called the cops and took me in for the day but I thank God that I never got to see the, the real prison, you know. But uh, I wasn't able to escape the mental prison because I've, I've been in prison for a long time, you know, in my own head. And that's the, that's the scary part because I don't know how to deal with that because you're all alone, you know. You don't have homies there. <laughs> or at least I have a couple in there, but they don't like, they don't think right. So uh, I got a 12 months, sorry, 14 months clean and sober. And uh, the first year I didn't do any steps, you know. I thank these guys right here for keeping me in, on track. And um, it was a hard year, you know. Went through a couple of deaths and my, my boy blowing up his arm from some fireworks I sold him. That was the first time I fucking cried sober, you know, because he blew his hand off. Of, knowing he was drunk, I gave him some fireworks, and the next day his fucking hand's gone. And um, I started working the steps this year, literally like the beginning of January. And the first thing, the first thing I learned in AA or NA, which was the groups that I was going to, is get uncomfortable, you know. Get uncomfortable, go talk to people. So what did I do? I went up to some fucking bikers and I asked them if I could ride with them with a Yamaha. <laughs> and uh, some reason they, they said, yeah. And, you know, I, I went up to a couple meetings and stuff and I, I hung around and I was allowed to uh, start hanging around more. And th that's what kept me sober for the first year, you know, was these guys up here. So I'm forever grateful to be a part of this. And uh, now I'm on my fifth step, and I got rid of some fucking stuff that I never told anybody, you know. And um, it was cool because my sponsor was, like, just telling me, 
everything that I told him, he was like, I did that. That happened to me. That happened to me. You know? And um, it's kind of scary to put yourself in that situation so vulnerable. But to have somebody that understands and has been there and, you know, that's, that's what the miracle of AA is, you know, people that are like you and people that have been through the circumstances that we all faced, you know. Um, today, you know, I was, I was uh, trying to buy a house the past couple months, but that didn't work out. But, you know, I've always worked, even through my addiction, until that last week that I checked myself into rehab. I stopped going to work, and that's where I said that's where I draw the line, because I, if I stop working, I can't buy drugs, you know. And that, that's just me. I just work hard, and even if I didn't sleep for three days, I would still go to work, and that's the worst fucking feeling, ever, you know. So, we're trying to buy a house, but this market is so in, incredibly f ridiculous right now. So we ended up renting, but that's a blessing right now that I could do, you know. I can, I can provide a place for my family, for my three-year-old son and my girl. Not wife yet, not engaged yet, but that's all good. Um, <laughs> I, got a, I got a Harley now, you know what I mean? <laughs> Threw some fucking fishtails on there because, you know, I had to. <laughs> you have to ride in the back. Yeah, I got right in the back. So. But... Uh, you know, life is good. I got people that, I got my dealers from back in the day, slightly white trash, that's right. I got my dealers calling me and asking me to help them get sobered, and, and that was fucking awesome. But I, I, I just pointed them in the right direction because I can't take them to the through the steps yet because I haven't gone through the whole way, you know. But I could point them in the direction, I could take them to the meetings, give them some people that will, you know, take them under their wing. And it's just amazing, man. Like this life that I have now, with sleep, <laughs> with fucking rest and money in my pocket, like it just feels great, man. It's not even about the money; it's just about being sober and just the work ethic is back. And you know, I put it into everything I got, into this club, into work, into my personal life with my girl. And you know, I don't. I still got some issues thinking about other shit, like other girls and all this bullshit, but you know, man. Today is great, man, and uh, I couldn't have done it without my higher power, with, without God, you know. So, um, I hope you guys get something out of this, man, and you know where we're at. Hope, hopefully we'll see you guys out there, man. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you. The next speaker is going to be Steve. Bro. Bro. My name's Steve and I'm an addict. Steve. <clears throat> Alcoholic, addict, all that, you know. Um, it's an honor to be here. True honor to be here. Um, I've sat right in the same seats, doing the same stuff that you're doing. I'm just sitting and do my homework. H&I panels are on Monday. I had to go see my counselor on Tuesdays. I was always trying to hurry up and get my homework done, catch up on my journaling, um, just robbing myself, coming to find out, robbing myself, you know. Um, that's the key to this program, man, is just dig deep, you know. AA, uh, NA, you know, like P says, all better than the DA. You know what I mean? Get in where you fit in. 
You know, get in where you fit in. You know, and it says, you know, in, in the readings that uh, until we got, you know, honest with our, with our innermost selves, you know, um, and, and that's what I had to do, you know, um, and be, be fearless and thorough from the very start. You know, work those steps, man. Get into those books. Dig deep. You know, uh, just because you run out of lines, just add paper. Um, I, I found, found that to be vital, man. Um, the first time I was here, I only stayed 90 days. Found a sponsor in this program at a parole house, Positive Living. Uh, at the time, you couldn't parole as a transient, they, so they put you in a parole house. Now they don't care. I am a product of AB 109, as we currently speak. But back when I was here the first time, when I left here, I put 10 years clean together, 3,900 days clean, like 45 days shy of 11 years clean and sober. And um, got the gifts of the program, man, freaking had my own job, the beautiful wife, the house, the badass truck. Didn't have a bike. Had a, had a motorcycle, had a, had, a, had a dirt bike, but... I always wanted a Harley, but never rode. Um, anyways, man. Um, but even with 10 years, you know, even now that I look back, five years, it, it, was, always, it was always the material shit. You know, I thought I was, I was recovering because I had the material shit. You know, I remember in my five years clean, man, I bought myself a big old thick freaking gold necklace. And come to find out that, because that shit, man, when I, when I started getting loaded again, all that shit was quick. I didn't, I didn't lose nothing. I gave everything away, you know? Um, and, and I have to touch on that. Why, why I've, you know, had time and then, and then, and then decided to give it up, man. Um, cause I quit working on myself. I quit working on myself. I didn't get honest and feral from the very start. You know, I, 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 I went to meetings, you know, and they say, they say, if you go to meetings and you're not working the steps, you're, 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 you're loitering with the intent to recover. And that's what I did, man. I became that dry drunk. Um, just, you know, bitterness and rage and fear. I remember the fear. Fear drives me. Um, fear is, you know, I, I love the cliches in this program, false evidence appearing real, you know. Mine was fuck everything and run. Um, you know, and, 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 and that's what I ended up doing, man, because I, I didn't work on myself. You know, when I was here, uh, uh, not digging deep, you know, Bullshitting, bullshitting my way through, just like I did my whole freaking life, you know. Um, I don't know, you guys, you guys believe in the God that they that they, they talk about in this program? I do, you know. Um, it's a vital, you know. Either God is or God isn't, you know. And, and 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 just a little bit, man, on that, man, you know, you're not on Plan B, you're still on Plan A, you know. You're not bad people. You just make some fucked up decisions, you know. God, God knew you were going to make the decisions that you made, you know. Um, and He still uses us. You know, as his vessels, man. And that's what I ask God to do. You know, every time I open my mouth, you know, I'm on this side of the, of the table. You know, what a blessing it is, man, to be on this side of the table sharing with you guys. This isn't so much for you guys. This is for me. This is for me right here. Um, and if you guys can get something out of this, great. You know, if I can touch one person, if I can see one guy, one of you guys out on an outside meeting, I may not remember you because this will be all a blur when I'm thinking about it like, oh, yeah. Because I got that CRS where you can't remember shit, you know what I mean. But um, you know, there 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 will become a time, you know, when I'll see you in an outside meeting. Because that that's the key thing about this, man. Is when you guys go on your passes, when you go on your passes, go to a fucking meeting, go find your home group. So when you get out of here, you're not lost, you know. And um, get plugged in, get plugged in early, you know. And back on working the steps, man. Don't rob yourself of this shit, man, because it's it's vital. 
You know, this last time in, 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 you know, well, you know, after 10 years being clean and sober, found myself with a beer in my hand again, and then meth's my drug of choice. You know, uh, when I started using, I was 242 pounds, going to the gym every day. When I got busted, finally, this is after doing, after doing uh, 90 days in county of my 11th violation on parole, after 90 days, I weighed 178 pounds. So I had to put a little, you know, they feed you a little bit, you know, in there. Wore a, wore a 32 waist, had not wore a 32 waist in, in the sense of seventh grade. You know what I mean? Sucked up. Just fucking tore up, man. Wishing for death. You know, but it's part of my story, man. And God's using, you know, it says in, it says in the, one of the books I read, man, that, you know, what, what the devil meant for evil, God can turn into good. And, and that's what it is today, man. You know, I wear that like a charm around my neck. You know, there's been many times, man, I've, I've, done, I've done five terms. I had two numbers. Been there, done that. You know, we all have. You know, we all know what's going on behind those walls with the riots and shit like that. And, uh, you know, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm living today, man. You know, I'm carrying a message, you know, to the addict. You know, and just because we're clean doesn't mean we're not suffering. You know, um, you know, we go through shit. You know, my fucked up decisions, man. My boys don't want nothing to do with me today. You know, my boys were my life, you know. Um, I'm hoping God turns that around one day. But you know what? Every day that I stay clean and sober is one day closer and one day, and, 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 and I'll be that much more better if I continue to work on myself. And I got to reiterate on that, man. You got to put that pen to paper. You got to get honest. It says it in our readings, you know. And, it, and it, you know, the, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path, you know. But the steps are written in order for a reason. You know, be fearless and thorough from the very start. You know, and um, it's vital. It's vital that, that, that you know, because um, I, I worked my steps out of the flat book. And, um, and it would bother me when, when I'd read a question and my first inclination was to write no or didn't apply. So at the time I smoked, so I'd roll me a cigarette and I'd go walk the track. Before I was freaking halfway around the track, I'm booking it back to my paper, man. You know, um, you know they, they say that the, the steps are the key to pre freedom, you know. And I just wanted to be free from the bondage of myself, man. And I had to give this thing a shot. I had, I had nothing else except prison or the streets, you know, to go back to. So I had to give this, and this is this time now. I've got five years. My clean date is August 25th, 2015, you know. And for the first time in my life, I have peace. Can you, can, you, can you even fathom that, you know, of having peace? You know, when I lay down at night, I'm not constantly haunted by my dreams. You know, very, you know I, I still wake up with some bullshit going on. And I'll fucking have a silhouette of my head on the fucking sweat on the pillow. But it used to be like that almost every night, you know. And uh, now it's, it's, it's few and far between because I've dug deep, man. I've dug deep. I've gotten this shit out. You know, they, 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 if you don't get this shit out and put it on paper and talk to somebody about it, man, it's like cancer. You know, it's just going to fucking eat you up. It's going to eat you up and eat you up and eat you up. And it'll fucking take you out. You know, quit sweating that fucking phone. Quit sweating home, girl. You know what I mean? She's probably leaving your ass for a reason. You know what I mean? Pick yourself up. You know what I mean? Put your, pick your head up. Put your shoulders back, man. And do something with yourself, man. Get yourself back right so she'll fall back in love with you, man. You know what I mean? Me, when I got here, she, fuck you. You know what I mean? Stay there, motherfucker. You know what I mean? But, you know, I got, I got a good woman in my life today, you know, who actually loves me, you know, and, and I love her, and I'm able to, you know, the, 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 the 
funny thing about that is how I can love her is because I can love myself. You know, when I'm running around with bitter, you know, it talks about bitter in the Bible, man, how, how bitterness is the root. And roots go down deep and they find all the little nooks and crannies, man. And that, those steps help you get that shit out. You know, you fucking chop those, pull them up by the roots, man. And look at them, you know, and um, put that shit to paper, man. And, and, and share it with another, you know, I got, I got lucky because my sponsor at the time, I was my first sponsor back then. And uh, he was my sponsor again this, this last time, man. And, and I trust the dude. He's been my best friend for over 20 years. So I got lucky to where I, I, I could, I trust, because that's, that's the thing, man. You got to be able to trust somebody with your, with your dark, deep secrets and shit that, you know, that you really don't want to fucking tell somebody. You know what I mean? But like Ray says, you know, my sponsor, yeah, dude, I did that. And he, you know, it's a, it's a trip. When I, when I was doing my four-step, he had his right there with him. And we did it together. That's what was cool about it. It wasn't like all about, okay, what's going on there, bro? No, it was fucking, you know, come on, we're going to do this together. You know, and, um, you know, it's a program of attraction, not promotion. You know, uh, you, you're going to get drawn to your people. You know, you're going to go to meetings and you're going to, you know, just like in here, just like in here, there's people, we know the guys that want to work this and we know the guys that don't. We know the guys sneaking out at night, coming back drunk, you know what I mean? Shit like that, you know, and, and that's their choice. You know, that's the thing today, man. We got choices. But uh, like I said, man, you're not on plan. You're not on plan B. You're still on plan A. God still has a plan for your life. And why I say I love coming here, man, is because I dare you guys. I challenge you guys. To go, to go out here and write yourself some short-term goals. You know, write yourself some long-term goals. And, and hold on to that, that paper, man. And, um, you know, it, it's a trip because when I was here, you know, my, my, my piece of paper that I, that I have and the shit that I would have wrote down. See, I, I wanted, you know, and if you do, hey, more power to you. But I just wanted to graduate here and drive the truck for salvation. I was cool with that. I was going to drive the fucking truck. I was cool. Thank God that that's not fucking what's going on today. You know what I mean? But, you know, and, 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 and not to knock anybody, man, but you know what? I, I just, I'm high maintenance. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know, man. Uh, it's not like that today. I got a good fucking job. You know, I got a good job, uh, and, and, I'm a, and I'm a productive member of society. And who would ever have thought, you know, over five years ago, man, that, that I'd be sitting on this side sharing with you guys once again and, and, and actually fucking and having peace inside myself. You know what I mean? That 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 there really is hope, because that's 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 the thing about this man is that's what we're trying to hear, trying to do to you guys, is is to is to instill some hope in you, because I know I know exactly what you're going through, man. I know exactly where you're at, sitting in these chairs. You know we're tripping on fucking the old lady, or 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 always tomorrow, of where we're gonna go when we get it. Just just do today. You've got what's in front of you today. Deal with what's in front of you today. You know, and let tomorrow take care of itself. But I do got to say, man, everything that I've been given has been a direct result of this program. Got plugged in when I got out of here, man. Uh, reaching out. If, if you don't have a job, man, you go to meetings and freaking, hey, man, and, and just network. You know, we know how to network. We know, we know how to find the dope. And if fucking the dope man got busted, trust me, we had to connect the next day or, or 10 minutes later. You know what I mean? Same type of shit, you know. Put, put, start your networking, man, and, 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 dude, you know, and just stay clean. You know, I haven't done anything perfect except one thing. You know, I haven't picked up and I haven't got loaded. You know, um, yeah, yeah, it, it sucks. The child support's knocking on your door and the IRS and every, you know, and, and you know what? It's, it's, it's being willing to freaking say, you know what? This too shall pass. You know what I mean? And, um, and, and just, and just have hope, man. You know, hope. Hearing other people's experience. That's what we're trying to do for you guys is to give you guys some hope. Because you know what? If we can do it, you guys can do it. Thanks for letting me share.
Oh, thank you. Hi, my name is Drex and I'm an addict. Hey. hey, you guys. Thank you for being here tonight for us. Um, you know, we've been doing this panel like I started about 10 years ago. So we've been coming in like once a month for a long time. And it's something we look forward to. Uh, you know, I know I see you guys sitting out there and I'm thinking back. I never did one of these kind of programs. You know, I was cool. I didn't have to. Uh, I remember I uh, decided I wanted to do a program. And so uh, what I did is I interviewed them. You know, I went to these where you pay. So, you know, you, there was the expensive one and there was the really cheap one. So, I, you know, like any good person, I took the middle, which means they had to have a little bit of everything. And I did a six-month uh, outpatient, um, you know, when I was loaded, like, through almost the whole time. Um, but I, but I, you know, did it, and they gave me a certificate, and it said, you know, I had, you know, successfully completed, you know, a six-month program. And I swear it said, he, you're cured in your six-month program. And I thought, this is, you know, and so that night, uh, I went over to the Connections house to see how the kids were, you know, make sure they were, you know, doing okay. And he goes, where you been? I said, man, I went through a six-month program, man, I'm cured. And he got my little certificate, and he goes, wow, he goes, you want a beer and a line? I said, sure. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't have a problem anymore. I, you know, at least if I have the problem, I now know exactly what it is. And knowledge is power. Um, powerless. Um, so uh, my clean date this time is Cinco de Mayo 2001. And that's when I finally, oh, well, thank you so much. That sounds really good, but I, I actually tried this hard in uh, 91. So the first 10 years of my uh, tempting recovery uh, was pretty bad. I had a blast, though, because I was there for the women. If I picked up some recovery, that was just God's blessing, you know, and I say thank you, God, for this little bit of recovery that I got, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, and I was one of those uh, tough guys. Um, I sat at the back of the room, 330-pound shaved head biker, uh, with a scowl on my face, and you know they always say you will make you welcome, and I, I would be think okay, make me fucking welcome. <laughs> you know I'm fucking back here. You know there anybody come near me, you know, and I think it's all you guys. You know, and uh, uh, it uh, I had good 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 times. I learned a lot. Uh, did a lot of crazy shit. Went in and out, in and out, in and out. You know I tell people. I had so many of the white chips that I made like a curtain to come into my room. You had to move them aside, you know. It was all kind of hanging there. Um, but I got something out of it. And, uh, and I will tell you what I got out of it. When I came back Cinco de Mayo, I crawled in. Literally crawled in. I was so beat up, so desperate that I would do anything not to do what I was doing. Um, it just, I had, I was done. And I wasn't done because I wanted to be done. You know, it wasn't like I said, okay, I walk in, man, I know. No, I was just fucking done. You know, I didn't have anything. It's like having an empty gun in a gunfight. You know, I'm done. Um, and, and, and that was it. 
you know, I, and then I, uh, I did anything, I, anything that was asked, anything, and I took it. And one of the things that made it this time is I suddenly realized I used because I wanted to. I wasn't a victim. I wasn't a badass. You know, I used to use, my excuses were had a girl, didn't have a girl, had a job, didn't have a job, had money, didn't have money, robbed a guy who didn't have money. Uh, these were all, you know, uh, you know, the bike would start, the bike wouldn't start, you know, raining, not raining. I had every fucking excuse to get loaded. Um, you know, I was, it was just what I did, and I thought there's no way I can do anything else. And I came to believe and understand that I use because I want to. And knowing that, it sounds funny, but knowing that that's what it is, then, it, then what? Now it's a choice. See, before I had no choice. I mean, I, I really thought I I'm, don't know. I had no choice I had to use. For whatever reason came up, I didn't have any control. It wasn't a choice. And I suddenly realized that it's a choice. So now I, re I got to realize that it is a choice, and I can make that choice too or not to. And listen, it was not, there were many times in this last clean time run that, uh, you know, I've gone to the Connections house, he wasn't home. Uh, riding to the Connections just as the cops pulled up, you know, riding to Connection and seeing a buddy of mine that I know robs Connections come running out. Like, what the fuck, you know? You know, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm trying to say that I could I you know it wasn't that for some reason I didn't. You know, man, Holt was my place, man. I'm a Pomona boy, you know. Uh, I used to go up and down Holt. That was where everything happened, man. Sometimes I for some reason I just go down Holt, and I don't do that anymore, you know. And I get stuck on the street. I can't get off the fucking street. I don't want to use, but I'm going up and down the fucking street because the bike won't get off it. <laughs> you know, and I'm not, and I know I'm not going to use, but I couldn't get off the street. It's crazy shit. <laughs> you know, and I still think I'm cool. And I had a chrome helmet. So, you know, like I was so incognito going up and down fucking Hope Boulevard. Nobody knew what I was doing, you know. Uh, it was insane that, you know, some of the shit that we do, you know. And, and, and then we get into this, this program, you know, and God, it's great. And I, I tell you this right now, and I've said this a hundred times. If you have a problem with God, get the fuck over it, you know, because when shit hits the fan, the Ghostbusters don't show up. <laughs> you know, you can't call them. But no Cadillac comes, no super duper fucking if plasma gun's gonna stop your shit. You know, you need to have a God. And and and, and I and I once talked to somebody, a very dear friend of the minister, and we were talking about God. And uh, he said that I'm a better per whether there is a God or not, I'm a better person because I believe there is. He said, whether there is or not, if I act and believe that there is a God, 
I'm a better person. And, and, and I think about that. Because, you know, you need a God when the shit hits the fan and it gets tough. You know, you're going to talk to most of us. And we don't, I pray all day. I'm on my bike all day, you know, and I'm praying and cussing to people. You know, I'm talking to God and all of a sudden, you motherfucker, you know, God damn, get off your, you know, and then I go, now I'm back with God again. You know, God, you know, and I, I, all day, I'm fucking going like, and I do that. I can't help myself. You know, and I'm thinking, God, why didn't I bring the gun? I'm thinking, but you know, Jesus, we are, you know. Uh, it, 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 it's true. You know, uh, you know what? I'm a sick fuck. We all know that. Uh, you know, uh, I have to tell you a story one time. When I, I didn't tell my favorite story about that. I was new. This was back in, you know, I came back in, 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 in 91 and that. And I was at a meeting. And there was a speaker meeting, and this guy spoke, man, and I was like, wow, what the fuck? So we got done, you know, everybody's shaking his hand, and I walked up to him, and I said, I want to thank you so much. He goes, really? He goes, yeah, you, you cannot believe what you've done for me tonight. And he goes, well, I'm glad I could. I go, yeah. I said, I thought I was the most fucked up guy in these rooms <laughs> till you talked, you know, uh, I thought honesty was an important part of this recovery. He has never talked to me since. Seriously. And this has been almost 30 years. He has never talked to me about that. But I thought, you know, I'm not that fucked up, man. You are bad. You know, God, thank heavens I never went where you lived. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a great program. I, uh, and it's funny how you get, we hear about how we get brought into it and how people on that... You know, they, this is supposed to be a program of anonymity, but we tattoo NAA on us. You know, we wear NA t-shirts. You know, we, but yeah, but we're anonymity. Uh, I remember I was, I had an NA t-shirt on, and I saw a guy, his buddy, and he goes, hey, how are you doing, you know? And, I, and I'm not ready to tell certain people that, you know, I'm a quitter. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, this was, right, right. You know, I don't want to tell them that, you know, I'm still cool, you know, that I'm a quitter. So uh, he goes, hey, how you doing? I said, cool. And he goes, I haven't seen you for a while. And I go, oh, yeah. And he goes, what's that DNA thing? So I said, uh, never alone. He goes, cool. He goes, is that like those dating things? And I go, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, uh, wow. He goes, is it fun? And I'm going, yeah. And he goes, what are the women like? I go, different. <laughs> He goes, can I get involved in this? And I said, yeah. You know, I said, tomorrow night I'll pick you up and I'll take you where we all get to hang out, you know. He said, there'll be women there? Oh, yeah, you're going to love this, you know. He actually, last time I saw him, and it's been a lot of years, he had like about five or six years. But uh, So you never know what uh, advertisement does. But, uh, you know, I will say this about God and uh you know, in, in the Bible, it says that, you know, God can move a mountain if you pray and ask God to move a mountain. And I want you to know, my addiction was so bad that God moving that mountain would have been easier. I could understand that so much more. 
because I did not think that there was anything, that there was any power greater than myself that could have stopped me from using. To me, it would have been easier to move a fucking mountain. And I just want you to know something. You got a God that loves you. I mean, I mean, he loves you so much your ass is here instead of under a bridge, dead. Or you've heard about, you know, the recent suicides and things we've had in, uh, in this program, you know. Be, be blessed. I mean, you're the chosen. Um, now what we have to do, we have to be like those that were chosen before. You know, we have to carry the message to those that are still suffering out there to tell them, you know what, you don't have to. You can elect to, but you don't have to. So listen, you know, I've kind of, oh, I'm right on time, perfect for me, see? You guys thought it was a speaker meeting again, didn't you? Uh, anyway, I want to thank you guys so much. Um, oh, thank you guys, and thank you, my brothers. We love you. Hope, you know, we'll be back the second Friday of every month. Like we tell people, you be here, we'll be here. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Let's pray out. All right, let's, uh, so let's stand up and hug. What the hell? We all got to. That was it for tonight from the Messengers of Recovery, Riverside. Make sure you tune in next week.